Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is a Seven West Media podcast. Hi, welcome to News Fix from Seven News. I'm Cyan Doherty. Thanks for joining me. You're, you're arguing that there should be a change. Scott Morrison and Bill Shorten have debated the hot topics of the federal election in a town hall event at Seven West Media's studios in Perth. So how much of that is going to be done? In front of 48 swing voters and a national television audience, the two men looked to define their party's policies and differences on issues such as climate change, taxes, wages and immigration. We put Christmas Island in place to provide that deterrent and it's worked. Yeah, we've got a With Prime a Minister car. spending his times in the motor pages. That's super. What I want well, to do... Where most Australians often spend their time the event was hosted by Basil Zemplis and moderated by Mark Riley from 7 News and the West Australian's Lani Scar. Okay, so after they've done their minute age, 30 seconds on the opener. Maybe they'll like it back to here. Yep. Stand by, Baz. Yeah, just make sure. Yep. 15. Okay, no worries. 10, 9, 8. Stand by, Chris. 7, 6, 5, 4. Stand by, transition. 2, 2, 1. Roll, roll, roll. Good evening and welcome to Seven Live across Australia. You're watching the Leaders Debate live from the studios of Channel Seven in Perth, where Scott Morrison and Bill Shorter make their plea to the nation face to face. Three and a half square. Yeah, let's go. Three and a half square. Yeah, let's go. We're here to get some real answers off the leaders about issues that matter to everyday Australians and, um, you know, try and cut through the political spin. Lani Scar is the federal political editor at the West Australian newspaper. It gives the opportunity for the leaders to really face off against one another and really speak directly to one another about the things they disagree with each other on and um, and it's, it's presenting themselves in front of voters together in an environment where they can't back away from questions in the same way they could in a press conference. Mm, that's right, because it's sort of they're debating each other at a distance on a daily basis. Mark Riley is the chief political editor at Seven News and is a two-time Walkley Award winner. I think it's important for voters to get that opportunity to, to see them alongside each other, to size them up. That's really important. But also that level of engagement that we don't normally see in politics where they can speak directly to each other and uh, defend themselves, uh, perhaps make a few points about the other person's beliefs and why they don't, they don't share them. And, and people, I think, can make a pretty good assessment of the character of the individuals when they're engaging personally, much better than they can when they're just yelling at each other via TV cameras across the country. 
And of course, no lecterns. They're completely exposed, aren't they? It's kind of exciting, I suppose, for a political journal. <laughs> it is pretty much because we don't get these opportunities very often. So you're right. The you know, they're, they're masters of controlling press conferences where we ask a question about red and they answer black and all we get is frustration. But here, hopefully, Lani and I will be able to hold them to account and get them back on track, try and break down all those talking points and to, to get some real answers. I can um, reveal some figures tonight from the hardworking people at the Australian Electoral Commission. As of 4pm today, 110,000 voters had voted in pre-polling today. That's almost double the amount that voted on the first day in the 2016 election. Why don't people want to wait another three weeks to hear from you? Well, I think what we've seen in, in recent elections, and I'm sure Bill would agree... Politicians are notorious, aren't they, for just not answering questions. So this is sort of an opportunity for both of you to really get in there and push. Do you sort of feel that pressure? I wouldn't say pressure. I would say responsibility, though. Absolutely feel the responsibility because we're the eyes and ears of the voters tonight. So we're representing the people of Australia with these two guys, and we've got to ask them what the people want to know. And as much as Lani and I across a lot of the detail, most people aren't, and nor should they be. You know, politics shouldn't invade every little you know, nook and cranny of their lives. It really shouldn't. It does because we've chosen those lives for ourselves. So I think we use our corporate memory and our understanding of politics to put those questions, being the advocates for voters tonight, to get them the answers and the questions that they want asked. Mr Short, we'll give you an opportunity to answer that as, as you like and also probably pick up on that point about the Kyoto credits, which, which you're not carrying forward and the Prime Minister is. How material is that in this debate? Well, the problem which we're debating here is... is the government And historically, sort of looking back and obviously looking forward, how big an impact can a debate have on the actual campaign? Can it change the campaign? Yeah, sure can. I mean, it plays with the psychology of the candidate, absolutely. We've seen that many times. So that can be make-or-break moments. And um, a slip-up is magnified intensely because, you know, really the eyes of the nation are upon them tonight and uh, everything they say will be analysed within an inch of its life tomorrow when the newspapers and radio and television. Breaking overnight, war of words. I wasn't talking about self-managed super funds. Just you said no fact. pensioners were affected. Well, in Ron's circumstance. No, no, you didn't. You didn't qualify. You don't get to slink away from it. Scott Morrison and Bill Shorten. Bill Shorten does have the advantage to an extent in this because he's done three leaders' debates already. Ready. This is the first leaders' debate for Scott Morrison, so um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to, to see how they go. So it is not true to say that pensioners don't get hit, and uh, it seems Mr Shorten needs to be a bit clearer about no, the no, impact no. on pensioners and his policy. Let's not do that. Mr Morrison, though, 50% um, of the proceeds of this go to the top 10% of, of uh, self-managed super funds, really. You call it a retiree tax. It's not actually a tax. It's a removal of a tax rebate to people who aren't paying tax, isn't it? They've paid tax yeah. all their lives, Mark, and I think that's the great offence that I think retirees have felt as a result of this measure. It's $5 billion a year, and people have planned their retirement based on getting access to what were, have been legal frank credit rebates. One of the things about our studio here in Perth is it's a very tight, compact feel. I think that's really good for something like this. There's an intimate feeling to it. I think that promotes uh, a really good connection between all of the participants. But also, equally, um, there's nowhere for the leaders to hide. So they're exposed in that sense, in that they really are close to the moderators, they're close to the audience, and um, I think they'll feel a bit of the heat tonight. Prime Minister, I'd like to ask you a question. 
What do you think of Clyde Palmer and, and his questions today? What, sorry? And his comments today. So what does Clyde Palmer got to do? Or well, how important Clyde is Clyde Palmer to your campaign? Well, Clive Palmer's not part of our campaign. Well, Clive Palmer no. should pay his workers and Clive Palmer oh, should settle go. things up and Clive Palmer should do what every other Australian should do and that is they should abide by the law and that's why our government is actually pursuing that through the courts as we speak. Um, there's an election on. You've got to decide where you put your preferences. Bill Shorten and his team, they tried to get Clive Palmer's preferences. Rubbish. I think the only thing... Well, I'm sorry, Rubbish. Bill. Rubbish. Um, you actually had your own people talking Still to him, as Clive has, has clearly pointed out. It seems the only thing you're upset about is he's said no to you because he thinks you'll be a danger to the economy. But when it comes to Bill, when it comes to Clive Palmer, look, he has to obey the law and do the right thing by yeah, his yeah. like everyone else yeah, we see needs that, to do. We? That's what he yeah. needs to do. What debt... Is Mr Palmer going to come knocking on the door of the Prime Minister if, in fact, Mr Palmer rescues the Prime Minister? You've absolutely had six months. Oh, oh, yes. You haven't met Clive so Palmer, if you believe that. Well, step in there. What, what's the deal? He's a, a, a good Samaritan, Clive Palmer. Just... Ask, well, of course not. There are no, no. policy yeah, deals yeah, good when Samaritan. it comes to this arrangement. Oh, yeah. But I ask you the same... Well, it's just lucky. Bill, I'll He's the unicorn of Liberal politics. Bill, I'll ask you the same question with the Greens. What is the deal with the Greens? And when the Greens come knocking, how much further will you go? Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for our participants tonight. And as Mark said, it was robust debate, it was engaging debate, and it was thoughtful debate. I'll go through the boxes. Yep. Jitter music under. So, Baz, that was probably the fastest hour in world history. How did it all go? It did go quickly, even without commercials. It did go quickly. I thought it went really well, and I think what was a, a real feature that we were hoping for interaction between the leaders... We got that smart questioning from Lani and from Mark to help promote it. The, there seemed to be quite a good deal of applause for the Labor leader, uh, Bill Shorten. Uh, they may have liked his responses. There may have been... That audience was chosen totally randomly. There may have been slightly more Labor-leaning members in the audience, but that was a little bit of a surprise. So Lani's come straight up from the debate to file her story. Lani, how did it go and what question do you think was the most telling? Um, well, I think the question about what they admired about each other was quite telling. So this is a question to both of you. Mr Morrison, what do you admire about Mr Shorten? And Mr Shorten, what do you admire about Mr Morrison? I respect anyone who serves in the Australian Parliament and seeks to serve in the Australian Parliament. Public service... That question, I think, you know, gave a real insight into, uh, you know, what they think about each other, what they can admire about each other and what kind of people they are too, you know. Um, Scott Morrison couldn't really give uh, a lot more than he admires Bill Shorten because he's a Member of Parliament, whereas Bill Shorten really gave a considered answer about... um, you know, some of the things that he, uh, you know, sees in the Prime Minister. Now, I don't agree with every policy position he holds, but I think he has a sincerity and he has a real conviction about what he believes in. So, debate's over. How do you feel? Look, I think it was terrific. I mean, we've broken new ground tonight and that's a wonderful thing. We, We took a bit of a risk to leave it a little bit looser than the usual formats, not as structured, and we think that's what people wanted. And the leaders really responded to that well. They engaged on a lot of occasions face-to-face and challenged each other on policy. Got a bit snarky. Yeah, right. But that's good, isn't it? I mean, we see some of the character, the real character of the leader come out. So they're off script and they're away from those dreaded talking points. 
and they actually got to talk to each other and challenge each other. And in the end, that's, that's what we wanted to achieve. I'm really happy with that outcome. We've put our policies out there. See, that's the difference. When you so run what, a, what's the basis of the deal sorry, with the Greens? When you're finished, I'll have a go. Have you finished? The point about it is, we're not going to coalition with the Greens. The fact of the matter is that we prefer their views to one nation and to some of your views, but I'm running to form a government. And I tell you what, if you don't think that Clive Palmer and Pauline Hansen are pretty dodgy people to be working with, well then, I think that's a mistake. And I tell you what, the Australian people are on to them. Well, we put one nation below... Um, well, not uh, the nationals, though, of course. They're your coalition partners, the nationals, except when it's convenient for them not to be your partners. Well, we're, Mr. They're Jordan, separate Mr. Parties. Morrison, yeah. we appreciate your answers to that question. Thank you to Ron and thank you to Corey for two very thought-provoking questions from our audience. Yes, indeed. You just have to jump in a couple of times and they went over. What's that like, having to interrupt the Prime Minister? Yeah, well, um, I did it. So, um, in the end, in the end, I suppose you just jump in and do it. I had a job to do and, and, and that was my role. What question do you think was the most telling? I think um, the question where there was most... There were a couple of questions that really got good engagement. I think the climate change question where the Prime Minister... Um, turned the question back on Bill Shorten and, and asked him what the effects on the economy would be of his climate policy, which is a burning question in this campaign. There's going to have to be an answer in the next three weeks, and I suspect we'll get one. And I think that we saw Mr Shorten on the back foot. In terms of the issues, I'm mean, happy to go through them as we go through the evening. Mm. But Labor has put a lot of its policies out there. And I tell you what, when it comes to standing up on wages, on cost of living, on health care, on pension or dental, on better childcare subsidies to help families deal with the cost of childcare, we're ready. Well, if you're ready, Bill, tell us what the cost of your tax policies are. Tell us what the cost of the climate change policies are. I mean, you've got a climate change policy which requires you to achieve 1.3 billion tonnes of emissions reduction over the next 10 years. Now, I don't know what proportion you're proposing to do that by forcing companies to buy foreign carbon credits, but they cost 42 bucks at the moment. They're going up to over 50. So how much of that is going to be done through that process and what will it cost the economy? I mean, if there's going to be a change, you've said people, you're, you're arguing that there should be a change. And I think Australians That's true. deserve to know what is the cost of the change? What is the cost of the higher taxes? We'll, and we'll give policies? Mr Shorten time to answer that, Prime Minister. Yeah, well, I thought we were going to talk about climate change a little later, but I'm happy to start now. And Mr Shorten, you can speak directly to um, the Prime Minister as well. You guys are sitting oh, next okay. to each other. You, can, <laughs> you don't need to enough. look directly down the no, barrel of the camera. That's funny. You guys tell me to look down the camera, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> listen, on climate change, uh, I think this, the nation's sick of the fact that we're still arguing about it. People just want us to get on with it. When you look at Australian households, there's two million Australian households have already put solar on their rooftop. You know, 12 years ago, that was 7,000 households. People aren't putting solar rooftop on their, ha on their roofs because they think it's a cost. They think it's an investment. And like all action on climate change, you've got to invest to get a return. Yeah, but, but again, Bill, I'm just asking the question. What is the cost? No-one's disputing about climate change. I'm not having an argument about climate change. And Mr Shorten, the Prime Minister, I might step in there. We will give you the opportunity, obviously, to discuss climate change. Jobs and wages growth was the question for me because, I mean, that's the one that really hits home. And, and the Prime Minister's view on that was that if you build a, a strong economy, 
the economy will provide, wages will follow. And that hasn't been the case for the past half a dozen years. And I think Bill Shorten's and his commitment for Labor to intervene in the process, uh, Scott Morrison picked him up on you know, overruling the independent umpire, the Fair Work Commission, and that is what he's saying he will do. Now, the entire industrial relations system is predicated on allowing the independence of the umpire to be paramount. So you have um, a, a, a non-partisan, disconnected, informed third party that makes these important decisions that regulate um, wages and conditions. So... For Labor to say they're going to come in over the top of that and legislate is quite a brutal intervention for for a government in an independent system. So Scott Morrison made some play on that. But I think voters heard that Labor was going to do that for the right reasons by the workers, that they would get a a wage increase. And that didn't happen naturally by virtue of a growing economy. They were going to make it happen by legislating. I think that was probably the key moment of the night and the moment that engaged viewers most. It's a question which has dominated viewer comments during the election campaign. And that question is, Labor and Liberal, who will most affect their pay packet? Let's go back to Lani and Mark, our moderators, to fire in the questions and set up this next debate. All right, Mr Morrison, let's go to you first on this. What will you do to lift wages? And uh, Mr Shorten is saying that everything's going up except your wages. And I think a lot of Australians probably believe that to be true. Um, do high-income earners really deserve about $140 billion worth of tax cuts at this time? Well, so what sure. will you do to increase wages? Well, wages are growing at 2.3%, and that's up from 1.9% um, uh, when I was Treasurer, and I welcome that there's a modest improvement as the Reserve Bank come, has also acknowledged. But the way you drive wages forward is not by taxing people more, And you don't do it by taxing the economy more because that slows businesses down. You don't put taxes on business, which means they can't employ and they can't pay their workers more. You don't do it by putting reckless emissions reduction targets, which will force companies that have 100,000 employees here in Western Australia who will be affected by those emissions reduction policies, 100,000, over 35,000 up in central Queensland whose jobs will be put at risk. Now, that's why you focus on growing your economy to grow wages. Now, our tax policies are for all hard-working Australians, and the figure you're referring to, that is for workers earning as little as 40,000. A year, so I don't consider them a, a high-income earner. I mean, but I'll be straight with people about taxes. I'm lowering all of their taxes because I think the better you do, the harder you work, you should keep more of what you earn. I all think right. your money is better off in your hands than it is in the government's hands. Bill thinks it's okay. better off in his. All right, we've got to keep things rattling along, Mr. Shorten. Um, you can respond on the on the tax issue, but also you're promising a wage increase to average workers, but you're not telling us what that wage increase will be beyond saying it's a real wage increase. In other words, beyond inflation. Don't people have a right to know how much money you're you're promising to put in their pocket? And if you want to address the issues of taxation, please. Well, Mark, you were listening very carefully as I was, but more importantly, the people watching at home in the audience. You asked Mr Morrison, what's your plan to get wages moving? And I heard about emissions reduction targets and I heard about taxation. But don't people in Australia not just deserve an improvement in their tax position, but actually a wage rise? 
And and then he backed it up with, with succinct points. And you heard our studio audience who were undecided voters, they clapped a couple of times because he was echoing their thoughts. And I think in the end, when people hear their own beliefs being mouthed, coming out of the mouth of a leader, that enamors support. So I'd, I'd, I'd give it a short. Now, studio audience gave it a short. Do you have a winner? Bill Shorten. And, you know, it didn't always look like that was going to be the case. So, you you know, I'm writing in my um, analysis for tomorrow about why that is. But, yeah, I think Bill Shorten was the winner. I don't think it's very truthful. Then why did you vote eight times against restoring because penalty Because we believe rates? in the independence of the Fair Work Commission. Eight hours. It's simple as that. We think they should make these decisions and we don't think politicians should see people's Eight times you voted against it, mate. Well, you voted Can you pick a winner? I think Shorten, um, and I think because uh, Morrison obviously tried to get under his skin. There are a couple of occasions there where he did. Um, I, don't, I think Morrison was much more polished. I think he um, articulated his views strongly, forcefully, did it with a bit of humour. I just think the way that, that Shorten was able to diffuse a lot of those really dangerous moments where, where Scott Morrison was taking him on will win him credit with viewers. That, that very Australian laconic way of, oh, God, you know, there he goes again, sort of thing. It's quite disarming and, you know, it's, it, I think that was um, his true character. I'm not sure that there was a clear leader. I mean, to me, a lot going on in my mind, sort of uh, looking to where we're heading next and all of that thing. So as much as I could take in their responses, I thought they fought just about a draw, to be perfectly frank. And uh, may the best man win. Baz? Thank you very much. Got any much. Yes, indeed. So thank you to Scott Morrison. It was really interesting, actually. At the end, uh, Mr. Shorten came up to me and said, uh, "Well done." And he said, "Well, how, how did you compare? That? How did you find that compared to a footy game? Which is easier?" I said to him, "Well, in a footy game, there's a lot more players to get their names right." I said, "At least here, even though you didn't have numbers on your back, there was only two names I needed to remember." He, he was a good sport. The Prime Minister was a good sport. I thought it was a great spirited debate. But I was impressed by both leaders and their performance on their feet. So I want to do it again. You know, and I, I think that this, this should be the way that debates are held because what we just witnessed is a real debate. It wasn't talking points at 20 um, feet all through the night. There was engagement. And, and again, I really thank the leaders for taking to that because without their approach... It could have been pretty dull, and these things are dull. I've seen a lot of them since 1993, and they are exceedingly dull a lot of the time, but that wasn't dull. That was good, and I hope it helps people make up their mind because in the end, you know, not a lot of us like to lose um, our Saturday mornings to go to polling booths and, you know, and tick boxes for these characters, but it is an important thing that you take some time, think about how the policies at either side are affecting you, your life and your family and the aspirations you have for them, and make a considered judgment and vote. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Stand by four ways with music as well and through. Oh, that's good, good, good. Stand by your closer. That is your news fix for this week. Every week we'll dig a little deeper and go behind the headlines. 
News Fix is produced by Seven West Media. Supervising producer is John Buck. Our executive producer is Nikki Hamilton. And the director of News and Public Affairs is Craig McPherson. I'm Cyan Doherty. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.